Welcome, everyone. Beautiful chant, isn't it? <clears throat> and it's thematic, which you'll discover uh, in a moment. I want to welcome everybody uh, to satsang. And it's my custom to uh, welcome you by remembering my guru, Baba Muktananda, who began every program by saying in Hindi, Sabko Barisan Mani Kesat Prem Hardik Swagat. With great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. And he would always make that the essence, the cornerstone of his teaching, to welcome another person with love, seeing the flame of God within every other person, and also to welcome yourself with love. And this is the essence of spirituality. So many times we hate ourselves, we can't stand ourselves, we beat ourselves up, and then we hate others, we can't stand others. And because of that, we offend the divinity that's within ourselves and with others. And because of that, we become miserable. So to open your heart, to love yourself, first of all, and then to love others is the path, is the way. The path of love, the path of devotion, and the path of yoga also. So in that, in that spirit, I welcome you. And I also want to welcome some special guests. Our old friend Swami Atmananda has come from Ann Arbor, Michigan, the United States. <clears throat> He's going to spend uh, till uh, Chivratri with us. Um, <clears throat> he first, uh, I first met him when he was an 18-year-old kid, walked through the doors of the Ann Arbor Ashram. And uh, that's a few years ago by now. <laughs> <laughs> And I myself was only 12 at that time. <laughs> the second old friend is Uma's daughter Louise here, who the first time I'm seeing her in many years, let's just say many years. So welcome to that time. And also her kids. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> what? Is it hot in here? Uh, okay, Debbie Ma says it's hot, it's hot. That's it. Okay, so do, do what we have to do. Uh, okay? Let me know. If I think it's from the heat, not from God. Okay. Plenty of air coming through. Okay, so uh, I'm excited about tonight because uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, as, as always, I share some of the teachings and stories about the great beings, the great yogis, saints, sages, realized beings, jnanis uh, of history, those who have attained the self. And because of that, they've blazed the path for all of us. They showed us a possibility, which is not a mundane possibility. It's little known, uh, but it is a possibility for all of us, and it's the inner possibility, the spiritual possibility, to know the self, to know who we are, and to discover the source of happiness and peace that exists within. We look for happiness, all of us. Every person is looking for happiness and satisfaction but nobody's told us where to find it. So we assume we'll find it by pursuing external things, and we do that, and we 
leave ourselves quite dry and miserable. But the yogis have always told about the inner path. So I celebrate these great yogis and this great path on every satsang. And tonight, one of the first ones I encountered, um, <clears throat> it happened when uh, I was living in Chicago in, uh, before the turn of the century. <laughs> Long time before the turn of the century. <laughs> I just wanted to say before the turn of the century, once in my life. <clears throat> um, and um, uh, I, had, I had met uh, the, the American yogi Ramdas, and <clears throat> he interested me in yoga tremendously, and particularly Ramana Maharshi's teachings. But I discovered that there was an ashram uh, right in my neighborhood, practically in walking distance. And it was the Ramakrishna Mission. And there was a Swami in residence there, so we started going there to hear his lectures um, <clears throat> and uh, learn about Ramakrishna, the great Bengali saint. And this is he. There are only uh, about four photographs of him during his lifetime. He was born in 1836 and he died in 1886. He only lived to the age of 50. And in Bengal, over the Calcutta side, the east coast of, uh, of I want to say Australia, but uh, India. <clears throat> and this is one of the four pictures of him sitting in samadhi, in deepest trance. Another picture. Now this is, uh, here he is in, in uh, Bhava Samadhi. Ramakrishna was a very peculiar type of person and he would go off into a trance at the drop of a hat. If you said the wrong thing to him, like God, he would immediately go into a trance. <clears throat> and so here he is, he's just gone into a trance and he's being held up by his, one of his devotees and he's in some kind of state. <clears throat> okay. Um, so he was born in, uh, in rural Bengal. He's uh, from a Brahmin family, but they were poor Brahmins. We have a picture of his uh, childhood. His, uh, his house is in the center there, and the, the family temple is on the left, and so on. This is in rural town. His brother was trained as a priest, and he, he got uh, a job in, in Calcutta uh, as, the, uh, as a, the Brahmin of a, of a temple which was being built by a woman named Rani Rasmani. She was a very wealthy woman, and she was a devotee of the goddess Kali. And so she built a temple on the banks of the tributary of the Ganges there, <clears throat> and it's called Dakshinaswar, and it's a, a marvelous temple. Let's see. Yeah, you can. That that big building is the uh, the, the temple to Kali, and uh, Ramakrishna had a great relationship with Kali. He talked to Kali all the time. Uh, here's a, a, a slightly more instructive photograph of of it. You can see here. You see the small temples in the front. There are twelve Shiva temples, and the big one in the back is the Kali temple. Uh, and there are other there are other temples to Krishna and so on, 
And way off on the left is Ramakrishna's room. You see, what happened was the brother became the priest of this place. Uh, but, and then Ramakrishna was sent as a young man, he was, I think about 16, and he was sent down to be his assistant. And then the brother died soon after, and Ramakrishna became the head priest. So he was the head priest of this whole uh, temple, and he lived out his days there. He lived in the house right way on the left of the picture there. We have, what was the next one we have? Let's see the next slide. Oh, here's Kali. The goddess, the goddess in a very ferocious form. Have you ever met the goddess in a ferocious form? I have. Many times. And uh, he, um, Ramakrishna was a great devotee of the goddess Kali and he would go into a trance and he would talk to her and she would tell him all kinds of things. She would have him cut off the heads of her enemies and things like that. No, they, they had a great relationship. So that's, that's the image, the, the, the murti in the temple in Dakshinaswar in Calcutta. That, what, what do you have now? And now we have Ram Krishna's room, very humble room. Uh, he slept in the bed on the right, and he sat and gave uh, satsang on the cot on the left. And we're going to hear about that. <coughs> um, his story, his, there's not very much that happened in his life. He had uh, that job, and he had two main teachers, two gurus. Uh, I'm not going to go into them now, but one was a woman, a tantric teacher uh, named uh, Bhairavi Brahmani. Which part do you like? I think it's a cute. What? Come on, chair. <laughs> yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's got Shakti the room. <laughs> it's humble also. Um, and uh, Todapuri, he had two, these two gurus, a female who was uh, uh, tantric, and uh, the male Todapuri was extremely intense yogic, and a man of uh, wisdom in yoga, and both of them were his teachers. And he himself was uh, a natural-born mystic, being of the peculiar religion. Um, he had all kinds of experiences from, from earliest childhood. Uh, and he was very intimate with God, spoke to God all the time, and, uh, and he practiced all kinds of sadhanas. He practiced Christian sadhana, uh, Islamic sadhana, uh, Shaivite sadhana, Krish, uh, Vaishnava sadhana, everything. And he realized the self in all of these methods. There are many great stories. We won't get into them today. <clears throat> but this, this is uh, the story of two people, Ramakrishna and a devotee of his named M. Mahendranath Gupta is his actual name. <clears throat> Mahendranath Gupta was a person who wandered into Ramakrishna's world uh, in 1882, four years before Ramakrishna's death. Uh, and out of that encounter came one of the great classics of spiritual literature. I can't say enough about the book, The Gospel of Sri Ramakrishna. It's M's journal of his darshans and satsangs with Ramakrishna. 
And if they always say it's just like being there. This book is just like being in Ramakrishna's uh, presence. Uh, it's, uh, it's as good as a film, it's good as a documentary, it's better. You just sit there and uh, you feel that you, you know him. <clears throat> so I'm going to share some of this. Um, and we'll go right at the beginning. Uh, the drama of this, uh, this young man, Mahendranath Gupta. By the way, um, one of my favorite books early on was a book called The Search in Secret India. I've talked about it before, by a, um, an English journalist named Paul Brunton. And that book was very instrumental in awakening people in the West to Indian spirituality back in the 30s when it was published. Because Paul Brunton went to India, and uh, probably for uh, journalistic and intellectual reasons, and he wanted to see what was going on there. Don't forget, in India was then under the uh, stewardship of England. So a lot of uh, English were going there for various reasons. So he went, he wanted to meet the sages and yogis. So he went and he was led to one to another, another, another. And the book is marvelous. Some of these guys that he met and women are absolute charlatans, they're shockers. And others are great, and you never know what it's going to be. Uh, the greatest one was Ramana Maharshi. He had his darshan, and he actually had experiences being in his presence. But another very impressive one was Mahendranath Gupta, who was by then an old man, uh, <clears throat> but a very dignified sage uh, in his own right. And he talked about his days with Ramakrishna. So this is uh, uh, M, we'll call him M, he calls himself M in this book. His first meeting with Sri Ramakrishna, February 1882. <clears throat> and he's uh, educated in the Western manner. Um, the English had a tremendous influence uh, in India at the time. You know, the, all the upper classes all spoke English and got educated in that manner. And he was a firm believer in that. So here's what he says. It was on a Sunday in spring, a few days after Sri Ramakrishna's birthday. He's an Aquarius, by the way, Ramakrishna, in case you want to know. <clears throat> Does that make him weird? Did you know? Yeah? Well, he had a lot of, a lot of Pisces, too. Yeah. <clears throat> We'll have to have a, a chart made. <laughs> anyway, uh, when, when M met him for the first time, Sri Ramakrishna lived in the Kalibari. The t what? No, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> So you see, he lived in the Kalibari, the temple garden of Mother Kali on the banks of the Ganges at Dakshineswar. M, being at leisure on Sundays, had gone with his friend Sidhu to visit several gardens at Barangar. As they were walking in Prasanna Banerjee's garden, must have had an open garden day as they have around here, 
<clears throat> they were walking along. Uh, Sidhu said, there's a charming place on the banks of the Ganges where Paramahansa lives. Would you like to go there? So Paramahansa means the supreme swan. <clears throat> and it means a, a saint of the highest level. And the swan is a symbol of it because they say that a swan, if you, if you pour milk into the river, the swan can drink the milk and leave the water, it said. And you have to, know, you have to go like that. And, uh, but anyway, this is a symbol of perfect discrimination. So you, you, have to, you have to take the good and leave the bad. It's the essence of yoga, the spanda principle, as uh, Swami Turiananda was talking about. It's to find the good, what Shakespeare called the ounce of civet, in the world and leave the bad. It's a great art. How many times do we dwell on the negative? We think about all the things we hate or we're scared of rather than think of higher and noble thoughts. So this is what discrimination is, to, to, to separate the milk from the water. Now, water's not that bad, so it's not maybe the best analogy, but to separate the good from the bad. <clears throat> anyway, so the Paramahansa. So M assented, and they started immediately for the Dakshinaswar Temple Garden. They arrived at the main gate at dusk and went straight to Sri Ramakrishna's room. There they found him seated on a wooden couch facing east. With a smile on his face, he was talking of God. The room was full of people, all seated on the floor, drinking in his words in deep silence. M stood there speechless and looked on. Now remember, this is a kind of westernized, educated Indian who knows about all the spiritual things because it's in the Indian blood, but never encountered uh, the actual living thing in all its shakti and power and intensity. Suddenly he was confronted with it. <clears throat> it was as if he was standing there where all the holy places met, and as if Sukadev himself was speaking the word of God. Sukadev is a legendary figure from uh, the Puranas and so on, a <clears throat> great sage in the Vedas. Or as if Sri Chaitanya was singing the name and glories of the Lord in Puri with Ramananda Swarup and the other devotees. And of course, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was the founder of the Hare Krishna movement the, in the, you know, many centuries ago. Great ecstatic. He had been a, a professor of Sanskrit, <clears throat> and uh, he suddenly got Chaktipat and became a God-intoxicated ecstatic. <clears throat> so suddenly he felt, wow, feeling that I had too, that when I had that moment of aha, that these great beings live now. They live now, not just back in those days. You see, even, even M would be thinking, well, Sukadev lived back there, and you know, the great yogis, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but not now. And suddenly, bing, there it was right in front of him. <clears throat> Sri Ramakrishna said, when hearing the name of Hari or Ram once, you shed tears and your hair stands on end. Then you may know for certain that you do not have to perform such devotions as the sandhya anymore. Then only will you have a right to renounce rituals, or rather rituals drop away of themselves. 
Then it will be enough if you repeat only the name of Ram or Hari or even simply Om. So what he's saying, he says, when you are so filled with God that your hair stands on end and you, uh, uh, you're mad for it, then you don't have to do any obligatory actions. So Sandhya's, uh, the Brahmins have to uh, do these rituals every day. I think three times a day they do uh, certain complex rituals. So he's saying you can't give them up. You have to keep doing those things until you attain a certain state. When you attain that state, all bets are off. You don't have to do anything because you're in that, that state. <clears throat> he says, he continued, he said, the sandhya merges in the Gayatri, which is the mantra of the Brahmins, and the Gayatri merges in Om. So everything disappears in direct experience. M looked around with wonder and said to himself, what a beautiful place. What a charming man. How beautiful his words are. I have no wish to move from this spot. <laughs> so we can say he got chakripat in that moment. He's blown away. After a few minutes, he thought, let me see the place first. Then I'll come back here and sit down. That's a bit practical. So I want to look around the temple. Couldn't have major kind of chakripat. He would have been already on the floor. <clears throat> He left the room with Sidhu and heard sweet music of the evening service arising in the temple from gong, bell, drum, and cymbal. So it was the evening, it was uh, uh, dusk, and so the arti was going on, just like here, bang, bang, clanging, you know. <clears throat> he could hear music from the Nahabat, too, which is uh, uh, like a, a hall. There was a nah couple of Nahabats on the temple where they they chant, and they could do other kinds of meetings there. Uh, at the south end of the garden, not that you care, but the, the um, temple is on the east bank of the Ganges. Do you care about that? And uh, there's the Ganges, see? And then most of Calcutta is on the other side. But, but uh, so, so um, the south end, what does it say? The south end is... Never mind, okay. <laughs> I'm addicted to uh, Google Earth, so I've explored this temple on Google Earth <laughs> intensely. <laughs> the sounds traveled over the Ganges, floating away and, and losing themselves in the distance. A soft spring wind was flowing, laden with the fragrance of flowers. The moon had just appeared. It was as if nature and man together were preparing for the evening worship. It's very poetic, too, uh, M. He's a brilliant writer. <clears throat> M and Sindhu visited the 12 Shiva temples. You saw them, 12 Shiva temples. 12? You need 12 Shiva temples? Anyway. <clears throat> the Krishna temple, the temple of Kali. And as M watched the services before the images, the arti, the waving of lights, and so on, his heart was filled with joy. On the way back to Sri Ramakrishna's room, the two friends talked. Sindhu told M that the temple garden had been founded by Rani Rasmani. This is that rich woman. He said that God was worshipped there daily as Kali, Krishna, and Shiva, and that within the gates many sadhus and beggars were fed. So they had charitable works, and, they were, and holy men and women were there, and beggars were fed, and so on. 
When they reached Sri Ramakrishna's door again, they found it shut. And Brinde, the maid, standing outside. So, so somebody's standing at the door, the maid. I, I, is that Vrinda, that name Vrinda? Would that be Vrinda, like your sister's name? Yeah. Probably the same name, Vrinda, which means Radha or, or yeah, Vrindavan. Vrindavan, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so, so Vrinda is standing there, the maid. Um, <clears throat> M, who'd been trained in English manners and would not enter a room without permission, very mannerly, asked her, is the holy man in? Vrinda replied, yes, he's in the room. I see her as kind of a character from Chaucer or something, the earth goddess kind of thing. <clears throat> M, how long has he lived here? Vrinda, oh, he's been here a long time. M, does he read many books? Because <clears throat> that's his reference, is what I would call first education, his intellectual education. Yeah. Vrinda, books? Oh, dear, no. They're all on his tongue. So he creates the scriptures. He doesn't have to read. That's what Bobby used to say. Book comes from the head. The head doesn't come from a book. <clears throat> M had just finished his studies in college. It amazed him to hear that Sri Ramakrishna read no books. M, perhaps it's time for the evening arti. May we go into the room? Will you tell him we're anxious to see him? Read the Go right in, children. Go and sit down. Entering the room, they found Sri Ramakrishna alone, seated on the wooden couch. Incense had just been burnt, and all the doors were shut. As he entered, M, with folded hands, saluted the master. Then at the master's bidding, he and Sindhu sat down. That's a very good dialogue that now happens. Sri Ramakrishna asked him, where do you live? What is your occupation? Why have you come to Barangor? They, he must have learned that from Devi Ma. <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> he learned it from Baba. <clears throat> anyway, uh, M answered these questions, but he noticed that now and then the master seemed to become absent-minded. <laughs> Later he learned that this mood is called bhava, bhav, ecstasy. And he himself noticed that Ramakrishna would often go into this mood after dusk, sometimes becoming totally unconscious of the outer world, drifting into a spiritual trance. I don't recommend it, though, generally. If you are Sri Ramakrishna, you can do it. But the rest of us keep it together. <laughs> M, perhaps you want to perform your evening worship. In that case, may we take our leave? He's being very polite, right? <clears throat> Sri Ramakrishna, still in ecstasy. No. Evening worship? No, it's not exactly that. <laughs> so he's saying, are you, are you doing your worship? He says, no, it's not exactly. <clears throat> After a little conversation, M saluted the master and took his leave. Come again, Sri Ramakrishna said. On his way home, M began to wonder, who is this serene-looking man? who's drawing me back to him. Is it possible that a man to be great without being a scholar? <laughs> How wonderful it is. I would like to see him again. He himself said, come again. I shall go tomorrow or thereafter. That's pretty good, huh? You like that? All right, how are we doing? Second visit.
M's second visit to Sri Ramakrishna took place on the southeast veranda <laughs> at 8 o'clock in the morning. The master was about to be shaved, and the barber had just arrived. As the cold season still lingered, he had put on a moleskin shawl bordered with red. <clears throat> Seeing M, the master said, so you've come. That's good. Sit down here. He was smiling. He stammered a little when he spoke. Sri Ramakrishna M, where do you live? M, in Calcutta, sir. Sri Ramakrishna, where are you staying here? M, I'm at my older sister's, Ishan Kaviraj's house. Sri Ramakrishna, oh, at Ishan's, he knows her. Well, how is Keshab now? He was very ill. <clears throat> now, that would, he's referring to Keshab uh, Chandra Sen, who was the head of, of the uh, Brahmo Samaj. Um, now, I don't know a hell of a lot about the Brahmo Samaj, but my impression is that this was a sort of um, modern form of Hinduism, influenced by the English. You know, people are always trying to uh, civilize Hinduism. It's a pretty wild, insane path. And they're trying to make it modern and acceptable to scientific types of people. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, even back in India, they were trying to rationalize it and, and make it more uh, modern. Uh, they still believed in the essence of it, but uh, they changed it. And, uh, so that had begun as a movement there, in, in, especially in Calcutta, and Keshav uh, was the leader. Keshav became a great uh, devotee of Ramakrishna eventually. Uh, uh, so M says, indeed, I've heard so too, but I believe he's well now. In point of fact, he didn't live that much longer. He, he lived another four years, I think. Sri Ramakrishna, I made a vow to worship the mother with green coconut and sugar on Keshab's recovery. Sometimes in the early hours of the morning, I'd wake up and cry before her, Mother, please make Keshab well again. If Keshab doesn't live, who shall I talk with when I go to Calcutta? <laughs> and so it was that I resolved to offer the green coconut and sugar. Tell me, do you know of a certain Mr. Cook who has come to Calcutta? Is it true that he's giving lectures? This is Ramakrishna talking. Once Keshab took me on a steamer, and this Mr. Cook, too, was in the party. Now, I've researched Mr. Cook of the Brahmo Samaj. I can't find him. Anybody want to do research? <laughs> Must be an Englishman named Mr. Cook was in the Brahmo Samaj in the 1880s. None of you into that? <laughs> <laughs> I, li I like it, because it's cookie. <clears throat> M, yes, I've heard something like that, but I've never been to his lectures. I don't know much about him. Sri Ramakrishna, Sri Ramakrishna gossiping away, you know, he's very talkative and informal and cute. <clears throat> Pratap's brother came here. He stayed a few days. He had nothing to do and said he wanted to live here. I came to know that he had left his wife and children with his father-in-law. He has a whole brood of them. <laughs> so I took him the test. Just fancy, he's the father of so many children. Will people in the neighborhood feed them and bring them up? 
he isn't even ashamed that someone else is feeding his wife and children. <laughs> and that's I've been left at his father-in-law's house. <laughs> He's very familiar, he becomes intimate immediately, he starts gossiping away. <clears throat> I scolded him very hard and asked him to look for a job. Then he was willing to leave. <laughs> then they gave him some, Ramakrishna, the thing about Ramakrishna is very childlike, very charming, very childlike, but he also spoke his mind, so he was pretty deadly, because he would tell you what was wrong with you, and stuff like that, like a child, innocently. It's very remarkable, as you're going to hear now. You ready? He says, are you married? M, yes, sir. Sri Ramakrishna was the shudder to Ramlal, his nephew and priest in the temple. Oh, Ramlal, alas, he's married. <laughs> he wanted to get him to make him to Swami or something. <clears throat> like one guilty of a terrible offense, M sat motionless. <laughs> his eyes fixed on the ground. He thought, is it such a wicked thing to get married? <laughs> the master continued, have you any children? M this time could hear the beating of his own heart. He whispered in a trembling voice, yes, sir, I have children. <laughs> Very sadly, Sri Ramakrishna says, ah, me, he even has children. <laughs> it's cute, huh? <clears throat> Thus rebuked, M. sat speechless. <laughs> His pride received a blow. After a few minutes, Sri Ramakrishna looked at him kindly and said affectionately, you see, you have certain good signs. <laughs> I know them by looking at a person's forehead, his eyes, and so on. <clears throat> so in other words, you know, good signs, you know, he, he could be a, a, a swami and give up worldly life, but uh, damn, I got him too late. I could see in his forehead. <clears throat> Tell me. Now, what kind of person is your wife? <laughs> is she spirit, has she spiritual attributes, or is she under the power of avidya, ignorance? M, she's all right. <laughs> but I'm afraid she is ignorant. Sri Ramakrishna, with evident displeasure, and you are a man of knowledge. Like, how, how do you, how, he asked, you know, she asked, he says, how do you judge your wife, you know, you're such a big jnani yourself. <clears throat> M had yet to learn the distinction between knowledge and ignorance, he, he's writing. <clears throat> Up to this time, his conception had been that one got knowledge from books and schools. Later on, he gave up this false conception he was taught that to know God was knowledge, and not to know him was ignorance. Of course, first and second education. Or to put it in a different language, to know externals is first education, and that's not real knowledge. Well, it's a certain kind of knowledge, but to know yourself, that's the essential knowledge. When Sri Ramakrishna exclaimed, and you are a man of knowledge, ego was, also, was again badly shocked. Sri Ramakrishna, well, do you believe in God with form or without form? M, rather surprised, said to himself, how can one believe in God with, without form when one believes in God with form? And if one believes in God without form, 
How can one believe that God has a form? Can these two contradictory ideas be true at the same time? Can a white liquid like milk be black? <laughs> M, M said, sir, I like to think of God as formless. So he's scared now. Did I say the wrong thing? Am I saying a terrible thing? Ramakrishna, very good. It's enough to have faith in either aspect. You believe in God without form. That's quite all right. But never for a moment think that that alone is true and all else is false. Remember that God with form is just as true as God without form. But hold fast to your own conviction. So both, both are a path. So whatever is your, you find in your heart, then follow that path. M writes, the assertion that both are equally true amazed him. He had never learned this from books. Thus his ego received a third blow. But since it was not yet completely crushed, he came forward to argue with the master a little more. M, sir, suppose one believes in God with form. Certainly he is not the clay image, like the statue. Sri Ramakrishna interrupting. But why clay? It is an image of spirit. M could not quite understand the significance of the image of spirit. But Sari said to the master, one should, one should explain to those who worship the clay image that it is not God and that while worshiping it, they should have God in view and not the clay image. One should not worship clay, Ramakrishna said sharply. That's the one hobby of you Calcutta people, <laughs> giving lectures and bringing others to the light. Nobody ever stops to consider how to get to the light himself. Who are you to teach others? Really, bust them hard. He who is the Lord of the universe will teach everyone. He alone teaches us. He who has created this universe, who has made the sun and the moon, men and beasts, and all other beings, who has provided means for their sustenance, who has given children parents and endowed them with love, to bring them up. The Lord has done so many things. Will he not show people the way to worship him? If they need teaching, then he'll be the teacher. He is our inner guide. Suppose there is an error in worshiping the clay image. Doesn't God know that through it, he alone is being worshiped? He will be very pleased with that worship. Why should you get a headache over it? You'd better try for knowledge and devotion for yourself. This time, M felt that his ego was completely crushed. <laughs> he now said to himself, yes, he has spoken the truth. What need is there for me to teach others? Have I known God? Do I really love him? I know nothing about God, yet I'm trying to teach others. What a shame. How foolish I am. It's really crucified, isn't it? <clears throat> this is not mathematics or history or literature that, that one can teach it to others. No, this is the deep mystery of God. What he says appeals to me. This was M's first argument with the master and happily his last. <laughs> That's the end of that part. How good is that? Yeah. Wonderful. <clears throat> Just wonderful. Love it. What are we doing now? Meditating. We're meditating. That's it. So as I said, this is one of the really great books. 
Um, it, it's a credit not only to, to Ramakrishna, his greatness, but also to the, the greatness of, uh, of the, the student who was so humble as to write, not to make himself look good, but to, to go tell you what he was going through. And, he, and you get a very clear picture of Ramakrishna, his great charm, his childlike quality, and yet his laser-like ability to go to the essence of things. <clears throat> so we'll meditate for 10 minutes. And uh, the goal of meditation is the goal that Sri Ramakrishna was talking about, the divinity that's within, the true self that's within, the love that's at the heart of your being, the wisdom that's at the heart of your being, the peace that's at the heart of your being. And though many things may disturb that peace and that <laughs> focus, maintain your one-pointedness on that. So we'll meditate now for 10 minutes. Once again, with great respect and love, I welcome you all with all my heart. Satguna Maharaj Ki Jai.